Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Faith Podcast. And uh, I'm excited today because I... Uh, he has this beautiful just, voice. I do have a beautiful voice now. I, uh, I just had a tonsillectomy about a few weeks ago. And anyone who's been following my journey, um, you know, it's going to be weird because like this is coming out in sometime, you know, like in the f sometime in the late first quarter of the year. And we're talking about something that happened to me in November. But that's the beauty of recording a podcast way in advance um, and talking about content and talking about topics that are like timeless in nature. You know what I mean? Like mean we're no one's going to say that was so last decade when they hear it. Exactly. So you're hearing my silky Literally. smooth voice. And uh, for most people, it will be like uh, my voice just changed over, you know, between last episode and here. Um, whereas with, you know, any of the other stuff that I do, my voice will have changed like, like months and months ago. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. But I am excited because uh, I do have a new voice today. I am also excited because as we've been um, preparing to actually launch, right, and recording these episodes in advance, and I've been setting everything up with the podcast network that that this podcast is a part of, um, we accomplished a few new milestones uh, this week and um, for the network. And uh, this just over the just over Thanksgiving was when we finalized the artwork for uh for beautiful faith so yes. it is um so both of us have been kind of gushing at that and really really excited uh about it and i know it's weird talking about this like like 10 episodes in or something like you know what i mean like it's just i, I get that that's weird so it's thanks for like flashbacks in star wars you weren't used to them but now they're here and enjoy <laughs> the detail you get exactly um i'm also I don't want to say I'm excited to talk about today's topic, though granted, I'm usually excited to talk about the topics that we talk about. Um, I think this one's a hard topic to talk about. I am, I'm very, um, I guess, anxious to jump into it. Like, I'm very, like, I'm motivated to, to kind of dig through some of this. I don't think this is something that gets... Okay, uh, when, whenever I hear church members or, or pastors or whoever talk about things that the church isn't talking about... Um, now that's becoming like a cliche to say the church isn't, you know, why aren't more people talking about this? And, and like, by this point, the new thing is that is talking about the fact that no one's talking about this thing while still not talking about it. Yeah. Um, and realizing that like, no, actually we've been talking about it for a long time. It just happens to be that you're not like either you're not talking about it or your specific church isn't talking about it, but that doesn't mean the church isn't talking about it. Um, like people talk about the whole evolution, like we're not really, the church isn't really talking about, um, you know, evolution versus, you know, uh, young earth creationism. And we're like, no, we've, we've been talking about that for, you know, centuries, actually. Like this has been, this has gone, well, I guess evolution specifically a little over a century, but um, just in general, like, you know, that whole science and faith debate has been going on for a very very long time a lot of people have actually died over it right it was just when darwinism came out specifically that the the nature of the debate evolved yes correct um we created uh a new argument for everyone to participate in um but this one actually this one i will say and i will admit the bias in my own experience but this today's topic is one that i i don't ge i genuinely do not see talked about i don't know of any church conversation or any sermon or any small group discussion, Bible study, nothing that has really actually talked about this topic. I don't know if you, you've got 
you've got years of life on me and years of life experience on me. So maybe that's been different for you, Henry. I don't know. No, I haven't, I haven't really heard a lot of people address this. If it has been mentioned, it's almost in a negative, but let's, let's definitely not uh, allow something to set us back from talking about this topic. Let's go ahead and reveal it. Correct. So, um, even though the, the title probably reveals it too of the episode, but, um, but so, then I can't make a pun facts. Um, nice so recovery. The, um, the whole point of, of today's topic is the, is, is to explore when you're on the reconstructive journey, apparently I can't get my thoughts right tonight. Um, when you're, when you're, when you're on that journey back to faith, when you're rebuilding your faith, um, there are things that will often trip you up. Um, I really hate the word stumbling block, so I'm only going to use it in reference to the fact that I hate using that phrase. Um, but you're, you're going to encounter things, whether they're new questions, whether they're old questions that you forgot about, whether they're, um, you know, experiences or events in the world and in current events, you end up experiencing something that makes you start to question the journey back to faith that you're currently having, right? Like things are going so well, you've been so excited, you've been I don't know, jumping into the Bible again for the first time in, you know, a decade. I don't know. It could be whatever your situation is. And then suddenly something happens unexpected. Um, and you're, you feel like you've been knocked back to square one. Or maybe the very thing that started your reconstructive journey now suddenly has been, you know, abruptly halted. Right. Maybe you started maybe the thing that started bringing you back was like the, you know, a, a parent or a friend was was starting to be healed from this, you know, miraculously healed or inexplicably healed from some sickness or injury. Uh, and then for a while, everything's great. But then all of a sudden they took a turn. They take a turn and they're worse than they were the first time. Right. Or even more common, I think, especially in Western Christianity, is you get attached to some preacher or speaker that particularly it just really is helping you understand things and, and, and you just really resonate with the way they present items and you kind of idolize them and then they go and do something just completely against anything society, religious or otherwise, could find acceptable or, or that's totally against what they've been talking about or preaching, and they collapse, and you just go, well, did everything then that I heard from them just, was it one big lie, mm. and I've, I've been duped, and, and it throws you and most of their followers in that sense for a loop as well. You know, that, that's actually something that I see on a much more limited scale um, because of summer camp. And summer camp, I'm pretty sure, is something that exists within all of Protestantism, not just, you know, our denomination. Um, no, and it exists outside of direct Yeah, like Christian it's just circles. like YMCA, Boy Scout. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've watched happen over the years, especially since I worked at summer camp, you know, eight years ago, was, um, you know, the amount of people that worked at summer camp that were super, you know, excited about God and prayer and, you know, singing ridiculous songs at camp and, and really kind of talking about Jesus and having that relationship with him and, and sharing him with their campers. And then, you know, their campers now are grown up, they're following, they're starting to find their old, they're like starting to wonder like, oh, you know, I remember my counselor. I wonder if I can find them on Facebook or Instagram. And then they discover that their, their old counselor, that was this, you know, the person that probably first inspired them to really dig into their Bible or, you know, pursue God, um, was the first real, you know, authority figure that was an example in that way or a role model in that way now suddenly has just abandoned faith completely and gone a completely different direction. Hmm. You know, that is, that's something too. You looked up to this person that you, you know, you saw one way, especially as a kid, right? As Because 
I I don't mind being a little bit. Uh, I don't mind being more harsh with adults who idolize someone. Um, when they when they know better, but kids, nah, the kids are gonna I, kids are gonna be kids. Yeah, because and, you're not conceptually thinking about certain aspects or possibilities or yeah. nuance. And it can be a real crush. Like it, it can be really crushing when the person who was like kind of a a a, a pillar of faith to you, um, you know, abandons that thing that you thought was like they were a major reason why I decided to do this. Is you know what made them leave, and do I need to leave? Um, it can be the thing that starts the deconstructive journey for a lot of them. And, um, but for, for others, it is the reconstructive journey. The person that's starting to bring you back to Jesus is now the person caught in this huge scandal or has suddenly decided that, you know, to leave. And now you're stuck trying to pick up the pieces. These are, these are some of the more significant setbacks that happen. Um, when, when you're on your way back to this kind of this, this faith and, and, uh, on your way back to claiming Christianity or belief in faith for yourself, um, and I think what, what we want to do is kind of address that and, um, and figure out how to, how to deal with it, how to wrestle with it. What, it, what does that actually look like? Um, so yeah, uh, Henry, what are your, I guess, initial thoughts on faith setbacks? Because I've been talking for way too long. Well, that's because it's just all good content and I've just been enjoying, it's a different tone, but you're singing the same tune. Oh, and, uh, oh, anyway, crush moment. All right. So. Yeah, I mean, just to to kind of play off the bit that I, I've never been a huge fan either, uh, kind of what you said earlier of the idea of stumbling block as a word. However, there is a certain use to it. And I think it kind of goes to the theme we want to talk about today is that these experiences can become a stumbling block or a setback. And what we choose to do with them will determine which one it is. Uh, yeah. Because to me, at least the usage of the term, you know, setback means well, you got pushed back or took a step back, but you're still, in theory, logically, you're still moving in the same direction on the same path. You're going to try and make that step back up, so to speak. Yeah. A stumbling block makes you think you've totally fallen over, and if you're laying on the ground, you have to choose whether you're getting up and continuing the journey or you just quit. Yeah. Uh, so, or you get up and turn around. Well, right, you know, which, thus the quitting. So, so yeah, I mean, it, but... And you're right, we don't get a lot of talk about it. And I think part of that might be is because some misunderstandings of faith and mm-hmm. what faith actually means. But I don't want to go down that too difficult-wise. But it, it's almost like this idea that for anything to cause you to have a doubt or a question means that what you had to begin with wasn't worth anything. Mm. It t- tends to be how we view it in, in religious circles. Well... I don't care what you just experienced. If you don't have faith, you know, then you need to ask yourself why you have all these questions, you know? So that might be why we don't like talking about it or we feel so bad when they happen. Yeah. Why um, they they become so destructive instead of reconstructive. Well, that, and I think there's a lot of them that we just don't have explanations for. Like a lot of those moments and those setbacks, we don't really, like no one knows how to explain those away. It's not like there's always a black and white answer to this stuff. And so for a lot of people, they end up, um, they end up, we don't like to talk about it because we don't know how to navigate it or we don't know what to do. And well, because we're scared of saying we don't know. That's correct. a big thing in a lot of r- r- traditional religions, not just Christianity to say you don't know. I don't know where we got this idea. It means, I mean, like in Christianity, there's only one being that's supposed to be all knowing and is identified in the scriptures as God. I didn't say, and their followers shall be 
omnipotent, yeah. you know, and omniscient. And, you know, it's just... With that being said, uh, cue 45 minutes of us knowing all about this. No. Um, Hashtag we don't. You know, I do think that we're going to share as, about as much of our experience as we know to share and as much as we've learned on this. But man, even even with, you know, some of my own experience that, you know, we, we may get into a little bit later or, you know, next, um, the um, there are still unanswered questions that I have from those moments. And there are still things that I reconcile that I try to reconcile with, you know, years later. I, I don't think either of us are coming at this from the perspective of, oh, man, we just yeah, we have it figured out and we know, you know, this is for sure the way to do this. And one of the things that I've learned, um, whether it's been from, you know, relationships ending or, um, or just general faith setbacks, but I really learned this from, from, um, kind of dealing with depression and, or like relationship ended induced impress, uh, you know, uh, depression is the kind of the idea that sometimes with your setback, um, there is no answer that's going to help you through it because you just need to feel bad for a while in the same way that when you have a cold, um, you know, there's no, when you just have a common cold, there's no antibiotic that's going to help you unless you're having very specific symptoms with said cold and it turns into an actual infection, right? There's no, um, for, for when you get a cold, you're sick for a week and you just deal with it or you're sick for a few days and you just have to, you just have to get through it. Like there, there is sometimes things just suck and things just hurt. And no matter what, Henry or myself say, or, you know, no matter what, you know, anyone else could say, and no matter how right they might be, it doesn't matter because you're not done with this phase of pain yet, right? You're not done with this phase of the cold. And that was like, and that was actually one of the biggest motivators for me to get through some of those, you know, broken relationships was reminding myself that like, it's just got to suck for a while and I've just got to tough it out. Like, and I'm not saying white knuckle it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, you know, get up, get your teeth in. Yeah, I'm just saying like, it's going to suck. I'm going to cry. It's going to hurt. And that's just reality. And I've just got to keep moving forward. And if I, there comes a point where I feel like I can't keep moving forward, then I need to ask someone for help. Or if I'm, if I feel like I'm getting to the point where I can't, then, you know, I need to be asking someone um, for help or just for their presence and their company next to me. Um, that, you know, that would mean the world. And so if you are in a position where you are experiencing a setback, right, you, maybe you saw this episode title and you heard us introduce it and you said, this is what I've been waiting for. And you're in the position of hurting. Um, and you're in that phase of pain. Um, I, I guess I want to qualify everything that comes after this with, uh, it's okay to be in that phase of pain. Um, we don't want you obviously to stay there forever, but it's okay to be there right now. Um, and it's okay if nothing we say suddenly just solves all your problems because I don't think that's necessarily what we want to do. I think what we want to do is just speak some truth and share our perspectives on um on topics like this and hopefully that is helpful to someone. <laughs> yeah, and if that revelation is new to you after what 10 episodes now, then we hope this doesn't become a setback to you. Yes, thank you. Um and Henry has been fired. This is now just beautiful faith with Ryan <laughs> Becker. Um uh, he does not get severance. We don't do severance here, but that he didn't get benefits either. So I'm not. Um, oh, that's a setback. Anyway, speaking uh, of setbacks, why don't we start talking about uh, maybe some personal setbacks we've experienced in our reconstructive journeys? Yeah. Um, well, Henry, do you want to start or do you want me to start? No, no. 
Let's see. Well, who should finish? No, I'll, I'll go ahead and start because you'll make some comment about me not talking a lot. So, yeah. Henry, I just so, wish you'd talk less, you know? Yeah. Okay. He did it anyway. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right through that one. That was a setback to my plans. All right. So, yeah. As far as an actual, like, emotionally resonant setback for me in my own faith journey, and I think this. I probably even referenced it. Well, I know I referenced this back in the episode we did several ago talking about personal testimonies as I can remember the, the time where I just, I, w- I was really involved in, in certain forms of church work and I just knew everything was, was going right. And that's when things fell apart with my fiance where I was quitting my job, but I was determined, okay, well, I'm going to start this other job with this other uh, independent ministry, if you will. And, and stay there and get on my feet and keep doing stuff for God or, or whatnot until I figure things out. And then the leader of said ministry called me and was like, hey, we need to talk, which, as everyone knows, is always a seemingly horrible phrase. Nothing good ever seems to come after that. Correct. And they go, you know, we've been praying about it, you know, which... Man, this is, this is live on air, open thoughts. We should talk about at some point how people use prayer as a cloak for all sorts of other things or the oh, fra- 100%. the phrases about you know I've prayed about this or we will pray about it God but God that, told me yeah. yeah 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 but that side note apart this this person said you know we prayed about it and we have to rescind our job offer because God's told us you have a pride problem and if you get involved in this you're going to destroy it and all these people and whatever not so have a great life kind of and you're like God didn't tell you that my mom did no I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm my kidding. grandma, man. I so, love you, Henry. I love you too, Ryan. Anyway, so, you know, and as I said, that was a huge setback because the way I perceived it at that time was that whether that was true or not, I don't think I was in an emotional place to really process that. I thought, great, God is giving visions to people or prayer answers or however you want to call it, telling them to keep me far away from anything that has to do with him. Yeah. So, especially since the church that I was quitting my job at hadn't tried to stop me, and now apparently God's giving answers through prayer to people about why I shouldn't be doing work. I, I was putting data points together with a skewed perspective for sure, but I, I was thinking, I don't think God wants me at all, anywhere near him or anything that has to deal with him or representing him or making things better for people around him. Cause I apparently jack up anything that I touch or am involved with. And, and so I perceived that as a moment where, well, then all that I've been doing is a waste and it amounts to nothing because God himself has now turned his back on me. Mm. You know, there there's, he has no desire to have me around. And if he has no desire to have me around, then why am I even doing this? And of course, mm. it, it hit at a particularly bad time, too, because then on an emotional level, I'd already just talking, you were talking earlier about relational breakups and setbacks. I just had this relationship I thought was going to become permanent, just totally evaporate, uh, you know, mixing metaphors, crumble before my eyes. And so the, there's something about someone saying they want to spend the rest of their life with you and then all of a sudden just breaking that off that you go, what's intrinsically wrong about me? Yep. That they would do this and then all of a sudden have, seemingly God right back to back do the same thing. Like there's something so inherently wrong with Henry that he doesn't need to be involved in my work and I will 
personally yeah. interject in people's prayers to tell them to keep that boy away. I, I was just like, well, what's the point of life? And it doesn't. And and what's what's frustrating there too, I think, is that it doesn't even matter if what they said is right or wrong, because when it comes from the voice, like for your, um, for your relationship at the time, if it, when it comes from a voice that you trust, that you love, that you know you've put a lot of investment into, and a voice that you value, that no matter what the content, or no matter what the 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 uh, the level of truth to what they're saying, uh, it's still going to make you doubt and question things. Absolutely. It'd be like the difference between someone you just met on the street being like, bah, you're stupid and will never amount to anything being told you versus your mother walks in and is like, you're stupid and you'll never amount to anything. Exactly. Right. And, and I apologize if that was a trigger to anybody listening, because I know, unfortunately, there are those experiences where families have not believed in you or are, are people close to you. But that, the point we're trying to, to make with that is, yeah, which one are you going to put more weight to? Yeah. And so it's natural, regardless of whether they were, you know, being honest or they were using something as a, as a crutch or an excuse to, to escape the responsibility they have of, you know, for the employer, right? Just saying no and owning the no. Um, when I, you know, I, I had a relationship end where the person literally excused their way out of the relationship um, at my own expense without, um, when really, when in reality, they just didn't want to be in a relationship anymore and they didn't have the guts to say that. Instead, what they had the guts to do was say that the whole that dating me in, was an entire mistake. And what's the point of fixing anything if we were doomed to fail from the start? Um, any of the problems that that, that that person was causing because they didn't they just wanted to be single again. And there's nothing. If you, Look, if you're in a relationship, you have every right to decide that you don't want to be in a relationship anymore. Like, sure, that'll suck. But like, just be honest about that fact. Um, but yeah, when you're told that, like, that's going to mess with you. You know, even yeah, if it, even it worse doesn't matter than that, it's, it's not you, it's me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it's not me, it's you. Um, it's yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I really do um resonate with what you're saying there. Um and um I guess for me, I think if we both share the setback part and then we circle back around and hit the okay, so how did we respond to it part? I think that's the uh I think we hit, I think we strike gold there. Unless you're afraid you're going to forget something, in which case I'll... No, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm okay, cool. Um, it, it won't set me back. Good. Um, and if nothing no, else, we'll recover. Good. Um, we'll, we will rebuild. We have the technology. Um, for me, um, so I don't know how many people actually went back and listened or, or, you know, have listened from episode one. And in episode two, I shared a lot of my journey. And just so we can fast forward through all of that, uh, my senior year in high school when I was 17... Um, my dad passed away of a heart attack later that week. Um, we had to put my dog down because we couldn't keep it anymore, but it had a bite history. So we couldn't give it up for a shelter or adoption agency. Um, and then it had a bite record and in Florida, that's a no go. Um, then, um, a month later, a friend of mine died in a car accident. And then a month later, uh, it was discovered that my mom had a tumor in her lung and her right lung had been collapsed, uh, for over a month actually. Um, and on my dad's birthday, just a few days later, it was actually, the, the tumor was diagnosed as stage four lung cancer. Um, so that all happened in the first semester of my senior year of high school when I was 17. Um, 
And I, you know, both of my parents, my mom was the principal of my high school, both of my parents were going to be involved in my graduation. My dad was supposed to be on kind of the runway that all the high school seniors walk up at my school. And then my mom was supposed to and he was going to be taking photos as all of the senior class would go up and, you know, grab their diploma and shake the principal's hand. So, you know, I was supposed to have I was supposed to have my name read, go get my diploma, shake my mom's hand and smile with her for a picture that my dad was going to take. And I had already lost one of those things. And I was facing, you know, losing the other. And um, I remember like I was I was really just facing graduating as an orphan (laughs) when at the start of the school year, like everything was great. And that's not the setback. Um, The setback is actually completely counterintuitive. The thing that really set me off, the thing that 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 confused me through all of that was there was part of me that, you know, friends would call me Job jokingly. And that's horrible. Um, it was fine. You know me, Henry. One of the things I used to do was make a bunch of jokes about my own situation. And I still do on occasion because as a self-defense me, mechanism. Yeah, it was a way. Well, and it was a contr- it was a control thing, right? It was like, if I can't control what happens to me, then I can control how I respond to this and what attitude or what emotions that I feel as a result of this. That True, was which is where a lot of comedians, I think, get their comedic yep. power. Correct. Um, and I. Yes. Um, and so. um when around March, so a few months later, about four months after the diagnosis for my mom, uh, around March came around and um, I got the call. I was sitting in uh, the chaplain's office. My girlfriend was there. And um, I remember this moment very vividly. My sister was on the phone. She was she was at the doctor. Um, she was at the oncologist's office with my mom. And that was the call where my sister told me that my mom's stage four lung cancer um, which is a death sentence, by the way, for anyone who is unaware of how, you know, the stages of cancer, it's basically like, good luck, um, had gone into 100% remission. And I was happy about that. I celebrated that for about five minutes. And then I got angry and I got upset. And the reason being, uh, this was the setback. I could accept that bad things were happening. I could accept that God allowed certain things. Like, you know, I could, I could accept all of this stuff. I it was fine. What angered me was it's the seemingly selective nature of what God was doing because everyone claims it was a miracle. The way even she got the treatment that she did, she drew number one on an experimental drug trial developed for her very specific type and like strain or whatever of cancer um, and ended up not having to pay a dime for any of her medical costs um, to, to actually battle her cancer, right? Things like that were happening. Um, and Um, and so for her to suddenly be healed where, you know, I lost my dad in an instant. And the last thing I said to him was 48 hours. The last time I saw him and the last thing I said to him was, um, was literally 72 hours actually. Um, no 48, sorry, I confused Saturday and Sunday in my head. Um, 48 hours, uh, before he passed away was the last time I saw him. And I said, thanks for lunch. Um, and Uh, Then my mom like suddenly is fine and like, what? Um, If you could have prevented one, why didn't you prevent the other? That was the setback for me. Especially when one theoretically in your mind seems more preventable, like not to minimize it, but people have heart attacks a lot and somehow survive. And yet stage four cancer, you're like, well, that's usually like I said, the death sentence. Everyone's like, oh, you don't come back from that. Yeah. 
Um, stage four means like it's spread. It's not just in your lungs anymore. Like it's, it's in other places and it's, um, but no, that's the one I get to keep. And my mom has actually beaten cancer two more times after that. Um, and this is, but, but that was the setback for me because it was, it seemed inconsistent. It seemed selective and it, it seemed, it felt like I was just some sort of like, I don't know, pawn or like not a pawn seems like the wrong word. Disposable is what it felt like. It felt like any sort of agency in my life was entirely disposable and didn't really was just, just an illusion, um, for whatever God preferred at that time. And that, you know, that moment of time. Because at least when things were going bad or seemingly getting worse, um, at least there was consistency to that. And there's some form of comfort found in consistency, um, regardless of what that consistency is. And so for me as a 17, 18 year old, 18 at the time that, you know, I got that phone call, um, like that was, yeah, that was hard. Um, that was very, very difficult um, to accept. And I do agree with you, Henry, that I do think that, you know, the way that the way that you respond to these setbacks matter. And I think the reason you and I both share this is because I don't think we earn the right to talk about this without sharing. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I, I would actually be insulted. Um, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't blame any of my list, any of our listeners if they were insulted um, and they were angry that we talked about this as if, you know, we had never experienced any sort of setback. Um, Listen, I don't think there's a person on earth that hasn't experienced the setback. And if they're too crazy, I'll even use that word in their head to think they haven't, then I, they can't interpret life. Set, yeah, it's more about like not being, being able human. to identify it. Exactly. Like the setback will at some point even be your own action. <laughs> your yeah, own. they are the setback to their own life because they are not self-aware enough to realize, oh, you know, things are not going, you know. It, yeah, it like that's a realistic there thing. Was this, there was this really dumb Netflix show I was binging for no particular reason, and they had Michael J. Fox come on as a guest character, and he was playing some sort of like prosecutor, federal prosecutor or whatever that like always wins cases. And in this particular case, he he somehow supposedly lost, but then when the guy was confronting him, he's like, "No, no, I won." He's like, "How did you win?" And he explained it in such a way that they were like. Oh, what a wonderful, most wonderful world it must be for you to live in where you can never fail. Yeah. And, and then the guy goes, actually, it's the worst kind of prison imaginable. And then he walked off. Wow. And, uh, and that, and yeah, that's deep when you really think about it. And so that's what just came to my mind when you, when you said that yeah. be their own setback, like what kind of prison must you live in, in your own mind that nothing ever doesn't go the way you see it as going. Yeah. Um, and there is always like the, the. Um, I forget, I, there's a saying, and I'm not going to say it because I know a lot of families listen to the content I produce, so I'm not going to say it the way it's normally said, but basically the idea is if it smells like excrement everywhere you go, check under your own shoe. Um, <laughs> and like, that's something that I actually like that, that phrase and guess you'll never guess where I got it from Reddit. Um, that phrase or that, that, that saying has actually really caused, has really helped me become more self-aware. Um, because I start noticing patterns in my own kind of reactions to things or responses to things. And it makes me really question, like, is this me or is this actually them? Uh, or is this, you know, outside of myself and I, sh I have the right to be angry about this thing. Um, and it's caused me. And even if I decide at the end of asking that question that I am justified in my anger or reaction, um, what it has at least allowed me to do is 
get time to calm down and collect my thoughts and process them before I actually fully react. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it even just asking the question causes you to slow down a little bit and not make any rash or, or, you know, hasty decisions. And that like, I'm very grateful for sayings like that, that can, that can serve as a reminder or as a check and balance for yourself. Well, and that check and balance kind of is a way of moving towards, well, how did we recover or, well, yeah, really, how did we recover from the setbacks? Because that, that phrase is something I can relate to to even more recent setbacks I have experienced where you're talking about relational endings where I kept getting in relationships that would spool up really hard and then collapse miserably. And I would always be like, oh, yeah, well, it's because of the problems in this person and the problems in this person and the problems in this person. And kind of an exact fulfillment of that phrase you had from Reddit, it, it was only when I got old enough or had experienced enough setbacks to finally realize, hmm, the only common denominator in all of these things is me. And I'm not yeah. saying that these other people didn't have setbacks, but I might need to figure out why I keep ending up in the same situation that causes setbacks. Yep. And, you know, and that was, that was huge because then a year and a half of therapy later and wow, I mean, I just on the relationship front, it's changed a, a bazillion things, but yeah. So, so yeah, so setbacks in that sense could be the avenue to something better, but how do we get there? How do we allow it to be something better or yeah, do we just let it go somewhere worse? Well, I think um for me and and this is you know this is the thing that i qualified all of you know what we're what we're saying now with i think part of it comes down to um uh part of it comes down to letting yourself hurt and you know um and and accept whatever has happened um there is there is some of this that is just um i i don't mean to have like a pessimistic or view of this but you know if it's something that has happened that that can't be reversed or can't be changed then there needs to be a certain level of you know getting to the point where you can accept that as reality because i don't think you can get past a setback unless you can really actually acknowledge it for for what it is unless you can acknowledge that this has happened to you and that there's no going back and changing it um you know there's no undoing what has happened then there is no getting past it because you won't even recognize the it. And I know that's kind of repeating what we've already said here. Um, but even, you know, if, if, um, if I refuse to accept that a relationship's over, um, how can I ever start to get over the relationship? Um, and for some people, this, here's what this looks like for a lot of people. Um, I know this because I, I I don't know how, I don't know why, but I recognize this very quickly after my dad died. Um, when he, when he first passed away, we didn't know why he, we didn't know what the cause was. And in fact, because he had been found with some of his heart medication, um, they actually thought it was, uh, they actually thought it was a suicide at first. And, um, the, for several days, we didn't know what the cause was. It, and, you know, it was a heart attack. We found out from the autopsy, but that didn't make me getting the answer of how he died did not make me feel literally any better. Now, granted, had it been a suicide, I probably would have felt worse, but it didn't make me feel better because it didn't change the, what the reality actually was. And for a lot of people, chasing after explanations is the, very, is the very thing that prevents them from getting over the setback. 
Mm. Like trying to reason it away, trying to justify it away and trying to find a way to minimize the reality of the painful experience that you've just had is the very thing that can prevent you from getting over that painful experience. Yeah. And that's, wow, that's, that's really powerful and that's really deep because it, it does beg the point. I think of this even in a theological context, some things do we really want explanations to? And what I mean by that is not that obviously we're inquisitive people. And I'm not saying go through life and never like, I don't know why. I mean, you know, that's don't be content with that. But what, what I'm saying is, is some things, you know, at, at a deeper philosophical level, to be able to explain them is to justify them is to mean there's a reason for them happening. And, and there's some things you don't want there to be a reason for. Like you well, don't, well, that's like what it I'm would saying. almost break it's, your brain more if there was one. Well, no, exactly. So for example, let's say, you know, you hear these horrible stories of, guy locks young child in basement for 10 years and repeatedly rapes them and does horrible things. And again, sorry if this is another trigger warning that needed to be out here then, uh, because we're finding out more and more of these kind of sick things. And people are always like, the first thing always, the only funny thing in the whole story, because that the thing that the person did is not funny at all. But I always find funny in these stories where they like immediately interview the neighbors and they're like, I just, they didn't seem like that kind of person. I just, I can't imagine how they would. And I always laugh and I'm like, because what do you expect the neighbor to be like, oh yeah, I pegged it. I always was telling my wife, that guy's a creeper, probably has a kid locked in the basement. You know, mm. I, it's like, first of all, if you could imagine someone being like that, the first question would be that, well, when, why didn't you call the cops to do a check on the house or like, or what kind of weirdo are you? They're like, oh yeah, I think there's a creep raping kids next door and I'm fine with that. Um, you know, so that ruins the story for me there. If I'm like, well, what would you expect the neighbors to think? But the, but the other thing is again, to that point, if you, if you could imagine the thing happening, it would mean it should be normal or it would be something you would just expect could logically make sense in a situation. Like, yeah, I mean, it could just logically happen that an adult decides to horribly abuse a child in their basement for years. Uh, and it's one of those things that's like, do I really... Do I really want that to be normal? Do I really want that to be okay, even at a philosophical, logical level? Yeah. And, and so, and I know this kind of gets into some, uh, a little bit of theology in the sense that obviously in Christianity, we think there's, in a very general sense, an explanation for why evil is here. But beyond that explanation, I, 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 I'd like to say evil exists and not not why maybe not why in the sense of like here's the reason why it should exist but more just like okay this is how it was introduced mm. uh, but do i really want like would i be okay with this being normal like yin and the yin and the yang principle like it sounds nice but do i really want to live in a world where evil has to be there where this yeah. suffering and misery and painful setback that I've experienced is normal and explainable. So like you, like you said, if you, you spend too long going down the road of trying to get the explanation, sometimes I found the more I've obsessed with trying to get the why, like you said, it makes it worse because yeah. then it just opens 50 million other questions that I'll never get answers to. And yeah. none of them seem to make the, it even better. It sounds to make it even worse because, well, and part of that is because you're hoping that the next answer will make it better. Yeah. And it doesn't. And you're almost, it's almost like a drug, you know, an addict chasing a high. Um, this thing that you'll never catch because the answer isn't the solution to your problems. The answer is just the answer to a question. And sometimes answers can have a really big impact. And if there's an answer you need, like, I'm, I don't think either of us are 
downplaying the importance of asking good questions and finding good answers and researching and studying. And, you know, I don't think either of us are downplaying it. I think we're just acknowledging the reality that that questions and answers do find their limits somewhere in human reasoning. And it's not I don't think it's intellectually lazy to admit that. Um, Yeah, I think um, I think it's just realistic. Um, And I say that because like, that's been my own experience myself. And I know that to be true of many others. And I, I won't say anecdotally, like that counts as like statistical evidence, but I do think there's validity there um, one way or the other. Well, so, even in non-religious settings, notice that it's not philosophy and logic that even science will say should be the bedrock of our understanding of the universe. They say mathematics. Yeah. Right. They, they like for, and even there's some debate there in recent years about is everything absolutely known in the field of mathematics, but they, they want things that are, that are sure. So if even non-religious sections are like, well, you just can't always have clear answers. Why are we like, no, we must have clear answers. <laughs> is, is one truly the loneliest number? Let's see what mathematics can say, has to say about it. Um, oh, Kit, is mathematics found its limit? Um, so Henry, wow, as that you pun just didn't add up you, when you, I hate you. Um, when you were dealing hey, don't with divide us. when um, <sighs> um you're, you're like how many more times is he going to do this? Um, I don't know, but I'm getting exponentially more upset with you. Um, every time you do it, it's not true. Um, well, Henry, how did you? Uh, let's give you a fraction of that feeling and move to your question. Good. Um, I'm about to subtract you from this podcast. <laughs> Just like everyone else just subtracted this podcast from their subscriptions <laughs> and their active And by the listening. way, there will never be an answer as to why I do this. That's one of those examples um, right there. He hasn't gone to therapy for that thing yet. He's still working for all the, through all the other stuff. True. Um, so, Henry, now to, now to, now to turn the, the, the tables seriously, um, how did you get past that setback? What were some of the, you know, in, in short, Got, you gotta, you kind of gotta give us some of some form of abbreviated version here. But you know, how did you? And I'll have to do the same. You know, how did you get through that that intrinsic doubt of yourself that's brought on by the external factors? How do you get past those setbacks of you know? God, does God even want me to serve? Does am I valuable in a relationship? And you know, all of that stuff. How do how did you work through that? Well, two things right off the bat. The first is, again, to something you said, I had to allow myself to experience the pain for a little while. It wasn't Mm. like I was even immediately in a position where I I could even comprehend the idea of embarking on the journey of finding answers or taking stock of it. And there was just too much pain. I just had to sit there and, 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 and address the pain, if you will. And along yeah. that is something I think we've talked about in many different aspects, but it's true over and over and over again. You have to learn to be patient with yourself. Hmm. Because, uh, and I think, I think this is particularly hard for us in the West, not just in Christianity, because we live in a, such an instantaneous society now. No, I want to watch that. I just click two buttons, done. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it used to be you went to Blockbuster and got it after months after it came out of the theater and you took it home and it was a, a four-hour process and then you could watch it and... Then you had to rewind it before you took it back to Blockbuster. Right. And all of this, it was this time consuming thing. Then it was like, right, really fast forward and jumping another evolutionary, a couple evolutionary steps. But then you have like Redbox. And then I have to still go to the store and sit there and type buttons into the console and get the thing delivered and then go home and do whatever. And then 
Well, now you're just two clicks on your smart TV and it's right there. Um, so, you know, and it's not just in movies. It's in, you know, I get sick. I love, you know, why does everyone love Tylenol? Yeah, Dayquil, right? Nyquil, uh, Nyquil all of it, ibuprofen. Yeah, yeah. Give me the thing that within twenty minutes is automatically like, ta-da, symptom is alleviated, but it hasn't really destroyed the thing that the virus causing it. But that's neither here nor yeah. there. The, the point is, we want things now. So you have a setback, and you're like, oh no, I went three steps back. Um, in one second, I need in one step, I need to be three steps back where I was. Okay, that's first of all, that's illogical. If you're three steps back, you can't take one step to get three steps. Um, and, and that's kind of my thing. We're, we're so impatient with the process. We go, well, I need to be over this right now. I need the answer right now. I need to. And, and, and then the fact that you can't get there instantaneously becomes another setback. Yeah. Right? God, why won't you answer this question? Why won't you, you know, why won't you fix this? I've been praying about this for months or I've been praying for the, this for days. Um, and I've been crying and, and my heart is hurting and can't you see that? And why won't you just fix this and make it better? Right. And so that becomes then a secondary setback that you inflict upon yourself because you're not willing to give it time. And yeah. And I know there's lots of theological reasons why I think we've gotten to the point where we're uncomfortable with time passage in addressing things, but that's outside the scope of this, this particular topic. The main thing is that I had to allow myself to experience pain and I had to give myself time mm. to get to a point where I could then judge my next steps so to speak, yeah. figure out to get to a point where I was willing to even process why the setback happened or process why I thought the setback happened. Because, mm. you know, there, there's a very interesting thing I see a lot with setbacks too, from the religious perspective. I think, I think it was also in the show notes that we wrote for ourselves before we engaged in this is that oftentimes, especially in more conservative traditions of Christianity, the moment a setback happens, you automatically think in the back of your head that God caused it. Like it's some sort of judgment. Or at mm -hmm. least that's how it was for me when it grows. So for example, you know, mixed up in that setback I was talking about earlier, like when my fiance was like, we're done. I was immediately like, why did God cause that? Why did he make it yeah. end? You we know, forget what about I, the what other I do wrong. We forget about the other players in that spiritual or that cosmic game, but we also forget, or we also, it's this twisted form of that karma, right? Or what goes around comes around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so sometimes you just have to even process, do you understand what caused the setback to start with? Because if you just assume you know why this was a setback and then blunder ahead, like, now what do I do with it? But you don't understand why it started to start with, you know, I... And you have to reach a point where, again, encompassing and summarizing what we just said, you have to reach a point where you've processed through or spent enough time with your pain and allowed yourself enough time that you're okay, where, where it's safe to examine the traumatic event that started it all to begin to get the answers. In other words, I think if you go too quick in trying to address the setback and you haven't gone through the pain portion yet, you won't have the mental, emotional, or heaven forbid, spiritual capacity to safely examine the setback without being re-traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. I um I think, you know, one of the one of the biggest things for me when I was wrestling with with this um was having people around me that genuinely supported me. 
Um, and that'll, that not only, you know, it, it's not just that they were, um, that they were present, but it's that they allowed me, they experienced my pain with me or they entered into it with me. They didn't experience it like they didn't feel it, but they allowed me to feel it without telling me to stop, um, without wishing that I was over it, without, you know, many would acknowledge how serious it was. They wouldn't even try and downplay it. I remember one of my friends, I was like one of the only ones in a big friend group of mine who didn't, you know, drink or, or, or party in, in late high school. And I remember one friend of mine literally looked at me one day when we were a bunch of the guys were at dinner, we do all you can eat wings. Um, and he looked at me and he was just like, you know, Becker, I don't understand you out of all of us sitting at this table. You have the most reason to drink and I'm 18. It's my senior year. And he's like, but you don't. Um, but it was this idea of like, he acknowledged how significant that pain was. Um, and he acknowledged that he doesn't understand it. And like for someone to, for someone else to say that rather than having someone try to explain away, my circumstances meant the world to me that, that I had people in my life who were just willing to, um, they didn't feel like they had to make me talk about it every time they saw me. Sometimes we would just go rock climbing or go see a movie and it wouldn't come up. Like they let me experience life again and, and recover the way I needed to. Um, which meant, you know, if I do need to talk about it, I'd let them know. But if not, I, you know, it was, they let me have the journey that I needed. Um, they would check on me on occasion, but my, our entire friendship did not suddenly revolve around this pain that I was experiencing. Um, and I think the other thing, and this is part of what I said when I said I'm still kind of working through some of like this exact setback. Um, in recent years, I have come to see um, prayer, not it's, I don't see it only one way, but increasingly so I've, I've really begun to see it as a, um, not necessarily a tool to, or a, a method of talking to God and getting a response from God. Um, though occasionally that happens and occasionally like it is a, you know, and it is a conversation. It is a prayer is a thing where it is, you know, it's not give and take, but it, you know, it's a traditional conversation and, and you are asking for a response from God, but there are other times where prayer serves as a way for me to recenter myself around, um, either who God is or what God's will is. Um, and so prayer becomes actually a way, cause God already knows what I'm thinking. And so the this idea of, or knows what I'm experiencing, he knows what I'm feeling. And in many ways he's, you know, feeling it right alongside me during that time. And so what prayer does for me is it is actually a way to, to slow myself down and, and, um, gain some perspective by starting to try and consider, and this is the beginning of the next portion of what we're going to talk about, um, by starting to consider alternative options for what's going on um, and understanding that this isn't just the one thing that I've tunnel visioned on or the one explanation or answer that I've tunnel visioned on. Like you had said, um, you know, God did this, that prayer, that time of prayer helps me recenter myself to say, no, this isn't actually who God is. So that's like, I need to slow down a minute and I need to rethink this and I need to reapproach this. And that's, that's where I think you really just begin to wrestle with something um, to figure out what's next and what really is it. Um, yeah, we, we have to slow down. That goes back to that instantaneous culture. I think, <clears throat> I know from a scriptural standpoint, it talks a lot about meditation. And I know that after, I couldn't resist using that term after you've been using phrases like centering mm -hmm. and I got you. prayer, because all three of the things we just said there could land us in hot water in some persuasion. So, but, you know, the, 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 the 
scriptures are huge, the, the Christian scriptures, on this concept of meditation, especially in the First Testament. And the idea that you have to allow yourself time to process and think, and if you stay way too busy, right, which is one thing sometimes we do with setbacks, if we're like, well, if I'm not going to get answers or it's going to take too long, I'll just try and ignore it. I'll mm-hmm. just push it away, right? That tends to be a, 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 you know, I'll just keep busy, 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 and then maybe it'll just work itself out, which it doesn't. If, if you do it that way, yeah. so you have, to, you have to slow down and process. You have to wrestle with it. You, you have to decide, okay, what am I going to do with this setback? Not just how did it happen or, or why. And maybe when you get a little distance from the event, you can look at it a little more dispassionately and go, like I had to do at one hmm. point, like I went, okay, well, maybe God is the one who really, quote, answered their prayer and told them, yeah, keep Henry away. Or else that was a convenient set of religious language that they used for some other reason they didn't want me there that just sounded mm-hmm. spiritual, right? But you can't, you can't process through that in the heat of the moment. You know, you're, it's, it's, you're, your pain is, in, is it's spilling out of you, so it's touching everything that you would pro- possibly pull towards you to examine. Yeah, you know, it's distorting your perspective of whatever it is. Yeah, and so you just... Like you said, you have to slow down and process. Um, and definitely, so like I said, you can't, you can't just push it away. You can't, you can't procrastinate either, you know. Yeah, and, that, and just put it off and just hope that one day it'll... I think living in the pain and, ex- and, and you know, just, just accepting this phase of pain, this moment, and, and, and just understanding that it's going to be here for a bit, that's not procrastinating. That's literally a part of the journey. Like, that's a literal step in the journey. It is, but to also temper that while you do need to give yourself time to go through the pain, there is a certain coping mechanism where sometimes, I know that, at least for me, the temptation is just to stay in the pain because at least the yes. pain is familiar. Yes. Like, and... And that's not helpful either because, you know, and each person's different. So I don't want us to fall into that either where, you know, you see it sometimes with like older couples that like they were married 50 years and then one of the spouses dies. And then within like five months, they're like remarrying someone else. And the first thing you always hear from people is like, well, they must not have loved the other one because it's not a little fast and whatever, you know. Yeah. Or then you get the flip side where they were with someone only a short time and then they go like four years before they even talk to someone else in that way. And they're like, what's their problem? Why aren't they taking way too, you know, you can't, yes. each person's different. You need to take the time you need. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's been two months. You should be over it. But at the same time, and you're going to, I think if you're honest with yourself and you slow down and you think about it, you'll know when you've reached the point where this isn't just you, process, yeah. you know, dealing with your pain anymore. This is just you like, no, I want to. I've, I've found a new comfort in feeling sorry for myself. So I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. And, and when you reach that point where you can tell yourself, Oh, that's where I'm at that you, you, you need to stop procrastinating. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've got to, you've got to deal with it now, or you're just going to be digging your own grave. Yeah. And I think listening to the voices of people that care about you, that have been a part of this journey with you throughout the process, when they're telling you, Hey, we need to get you out of this. Um, there's, there's a certain amount of listening that needs to be done there as well. And, you know, one of the benefits of all of this is that, you know, it, it, it's weird because at first it's not a benefit. At first it's a huge inconvenience and everyone hates it, but it's the fact that life doesn't stop for you. And yeah, life like, isn't going to start stop, procrastinating. <laughs> correct. You can't stop living your life. And that's the thing. Like, that's why some of this processing and journeying through a setback like that and the questions that come up as a result of, you know, an unexpected tragedy or pain um, or question 
is the fact that you can still continue living your life and you're not compromising on your beliefs. It may just be that right now the answer isn't there or the, you know, the, 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 the processing can't complete right now because you're not who you need to be yet. You're not yeah, in a position in your life. There might need to be something it. else that you have to understand before you will open the door to understanding the other thing. Cause our lives yeah. are not each part of our life are not little compartmental islands under themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. There's been a lot of things that it's only when I've understood something else I thought was completely unrelated that all of a sudden I'm like, Oh snap, that's how that mm -hmm. impacts that. Yeah. And it, and it helps fix something else, which again, and that I patience think, point. I think one of the biggest things for me is, is the idea that we've talked about, which is that uh, any setback can actually be turned and used, you know, for something better. We can turn them into something better. And I think there's an important qualifier before I explain why I think that's, you know, a good thing and how I see it happening, um, because there's a very vivid and, you know, very specific example that I'm going to give. Um, but the, the qualifier I want to make is while everything can be, you know, you can turn something in, you know, you can turn a setback into something better. That does not mean the thing happened so that the something better would happen that you've True. turned it into. Um, I don't, it, you know, we have to be careful of not having revision, revisionist history. Um, you know, I think Romans eight twenty eight. you know, all th God works in all things for the good of those who love him, for those uh, who are called according to his purpose. And that is not everything happens for a reason. That is, is how God a lot of is, people interpret it. Correct. That is God is actively working in this situation to shape good from it. That does not mean it happened so that God could shape good from it. That meant that God is responding to this thing alongside you. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's yeah. a plier. He's not the producer. In other words, I think I might've said that in the Job thing, he doesn't produce our pain, but he plies it. In other words, he, he he's the great, the, the scriptural narrative is one of redemption of taking yes. the worst that something's thrown at it and somehow taking what's occurred and having new birth come out of it, having new mm -hmm. hope come out of it, growth, uh, possibility. So yeah, it's not necessarily that uh, it had to be set up this way so that, you yeah. know, because some people you hear the testimonies too. Well, this happened, so this would happen, this happened. And these 19 different weird things had to happen so that I could be the person I am today. Well, maybe you're the person you are today because those 19 things happened, but I don't think they had to necessarily happen in that order to get there. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think, you know, I think a really great example of this is when parents, um, it's a great example, but it's a, it's a heart-wrenching example. Um, and so two parents out there, um, who've dealt with really significant tragedies, um, regarding their own family or children, this is the trigger warning for you. Um, but you know, for parents who have lost a child to say cancer, um, for many of those parents, or even like I've seen this happen with who've lost it, who've lost a child to a crime. Um, what happens is years later or even immediately after those parents become these huge advocates for, you know, let's say it was cancer for cancer research or awareness, or, you know, they become huge. They, they are setting up five K's They're you know, they're in fundraisers and they've created this donor fund to help other families that are struggling to meet their medical bills. And they're doing this in honor of their, their child's memory. This is turning a setback into something better because what you're doing is creating something good and you're applying your pain into something different. And you're not, um, you're not just ignoring what happened. You're not pretending it didn't happen. 
and you're trying to utilize your experience in order to move forward and, 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 you know, even solve the very problem that caused your pain in the first place. Like that is a very concrete example in my mind, um, of, um, of someone turning their setback into something better, um, or turning their setback and creating something good from it. Um, not necessarily better than anything that was before it, but rather if this is the new normal, then I'm going to make the best of the new normal. If, and now this is the area of life that I'm passionate about. And I want to help free others from this thing. We craft meaning from the ashes of our pain. And I think that's, but we, that doesn't mean we rewrite the history of what that pain meant or why that pain happened. And that's, that is the most important thing in my mind for when it comes to navigating um, a setback, whether it is just a simple question of doubt or whether, or it's a, you know, huge tragedy and pain and loss. Um, either way, what you do in response to it will, um, will determine, I think, um, the kind of direction that you go. Yeah. And, and historical revisionism, especially when it comes to emotional revisionism, is just a, sometimes just a coping mechanism where we're trying to cram in created answers for answers we didn't find in the moment yeah absolutely and, and that's and that's not helpful either yeah so well yeah. i i i think there's um you know I, I i i do think this i think what i'm i think my whole theme in all of this is um to and and my big push here is just that you know we do need to be open to the journey um and the fact that the journey, you don't always see the end of the journey when you're on it. Um, we need to be open to the journey. The journey doesn't justify the, you know, the means don't justify the ends um, and the ends don't justify the means. Um, but I think, um, I think we need to just embrace the fact that we're on a journey. There's no fast forwarding that journey. And I think we, you know, I, it's almost, it, it, I almost want to say roll with the punches, but I don't want to say anything that minimizes the pain someone's experiencing. And if it is truly, you know, something that you're really struggling to carry alone, once again, like we do every episode, please talk to someone, professional help, counseling, therapy, um, a friend, a family member. Therapy um, is a beautiful thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we, we're going to rename this a beautiful therapy is what we're going to rename this podcast. Um, Not a bad the, idea. But I, I do think um, being open to the journey and understanding and just accepting off the bat that I can't change that this has happened and I'm on this journey and I can be upset about the fact that I'm on this journey, sure, but I'm here. Let's do this. Let's get, you know, let's get to work. Yeah, don't, don't let your setbacks derail you, right? Because that's, that's what a lot of people do. We either don't deal with it or we just let it be some pit that we fall into and never escape. We just use it as an excuse like, well, now I'm over or I'm done or I will never. That, not, setbacks, this is the beautiful thing. As long as there is life, humans have the amazing ability to repurpose, reorient, restart, whatever. You know, this doesn't have to be the yeah. end. It, it, you, know, it, you know how they say, they say, well, the, the bend in the road doesn't have to be a dead end if you make the turn. Mm. right mm. sometimes we get to a bend in our journey and we freak out and we just drive right off hit the guardrail flip and go down the cliff you know you don't have to do that if you process and you just turn the wheel and you follow the road for a little while because a little ways down the way you might turn back the direction you were thinking um so just yeah. you know we this is the this is the most powerful element the biblical narrative says it 
Life experience for me is really proving this. The biggest thing humanity has over any other species and the most powerful element in all of these things is choice. Mm. You may not have been able to control the setback. You may not have been the one that introduced it or asked for it or whatever or caused it or whatnot, but you can choose what to do with it. Yeah. Right? Am I going to just give up? Am I going to just push it away? Am I going to you know, I mean, like me, I was going to try procrastinating once, but I just kept putting it off. So, I mean, do you, and that was the pun I was talking about earlier. I hate you. Just for you. Uh, but, you know, do I want to choose to make it something better or not? Mm-hmm. And, and that would be my encouragement to yeah. you and whatever part of the journey you're on. Make, you have the power to make a choice and to beat it in yeah. that sense, to beat the setback. Yeah. And um, I think for me, I, I, you know, as we're, as we're, kind of wrapping up here. Um, there's one, there's one more angle of this that I want to, I want to address. And I say address cause I don't, I don't necessarily know that it needs to be this big, huge thing, but, um, you know, we've talked this entire episode about responding to a setback, but we haven't talked about actually preparing for a setback, um, preparing for the fact that, you know, setbacks will come. Um, and so there's two things I want to say to that element of it. Like what, what can I do now? before a setback has come that I, you know, don't know exists yet. I don't even know what it will be. I don't know how it will show itself. Um, it could happen tomorrow, a year from now, or 10 years from now. What can I do? Um, I think the first thing is to surround yourself with people that care about you for who you are, um, that are a good influence on you, that, you know, are people that not just that can speak truth into your life, um, but that are, that are people that are, um, a community of people that also can sharpen each other. Um, that can, you know, they can call you on something and you can trust that they're, you know, they're saying it in love and you're not going to take it. You might take it personally at first, but you can accept that they really do have your best interest in mind and they're not just judging you for it. Um, These are people that you genuinely do trust to walk alongside in these journeys. You know, if you can think, if you think of, you know, some terrible tragedy and then think about, you know, the potential for something and then look at your friends and your family and think who in this circle is the people are the people I would trust to actually walk with me through that kind of pain? Um, who are the people that I would want by my side if I just ha- if I'm recovering from some major surgery, for example? Um, the second thing I would say is this, and you you hinted at this at the very beginning with the false expectations of faith. Um, a setback does not mean that you don't have faith, and I think the first thing that we can do is temper our expectations of what faith actually is, and that's understanding that faith and complete faith does not equal complete certainty. Um, accepting that there will always be unknowns, that there is a limit to reason, that there is a limit to what the answers and questions can provide us, um, can, um, can help soften the, the, the drive that we may have to try and answer all the questions we have when we hit a setback. Um, because we can become obsessive and addicted to that journey. But if we know up front, like, hey, I may, I may never be certain about this, or I won't be certain about this, maybe in this lifetime, um, I don't need to spend my entire life chasing this answer. There are other things I could be doing with this time. Um, and if the answer comes, it comes um, in some respects. I'm not saying we just put it off and never deal with it, but I do think just accepting that there, you know, this is bigger than just this moment and understanding that there is a possibility that the answer doesn't come. And at the, in, at the very least, there's a possibility the answer doesn't come the way we expected it to or hope it does. Right. Um, right. So, and, and that's kind of, the, that's the tension, the biblical tension with faith is that it, it does live in a tension of certainty and lack. 
Mm. And before someone's like, well, you're just making that up. Because right, a lot of people, their view of faith is either, well, just have faith. And by that, they mean, well, you'll never get answers. You're just supposed to somehow bounce around and be like, whatever, it'll work out. Or the flip side where people are like, you know, faith is I have to have the answer to everything. You know, these faiths where if there is any doubt, it's a disaster. Yeah. Whereas, you know, that most famous definition from Western Christian thought in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, right? If you think of that famous phrase, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, if you pause and really think about what that's saying, you have the tension right there in four statements. Mm -hmm. Substance and evidence, hope and not seen. Right. So you do have an evidence. There is a certain amount of evidence. There will be answers you get. And I think genuine faith is based that there genuine faith will have enough answers that you can know there is something there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's because of the sure answers I do have that it can carry me through the answers I do not yet have. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's it's that tension, the substance and the evidence, but the hope and the things I don't see yet. Yeah. And, and I think understanding that means that you're not letting that setback have more power than it actually has. Um, you know, a setback does not mean the rest of your faith. A setback does not have to invalidate the rest of your faith. Um, yeah, and, like the whole illustration of a setback. If you've had to take a step back on the journey, you don't immediately go, oh, man, well, this backpack I'm carrying is stupid. Yeah. Or this journey was fake. Um, yeah, you, I shouldn't have drunk that bottle of water on yeah. this journey. Well, yeah. like what? Um, I think, yeah, I, 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 you know, I do think that tempering your expectations and understanding that there is going to be that tension that exists. Um, I think that's, I think that's okay to do. I think that's wise to do. Um, and, and I think that's something we can do now. Um, and I think that those are things that we can do before a setback ever hits. And so I, I wanted to make sure we, we did something along the lines of the preparation side of it. But yeah, Henry, any, anything you want to close out with? Any final thoughts before we close? Uh, the only thing I would add to what you, you said is, again, you were talking about trying to imagine now a, a time of tragedy or some horrible thing. And you were talking about the people you would want to turn to or you would be around there. Uh, for those of you with overactive minds who just always have to constantly be thinking about something, something you can do now is at the same time you're thinking about man, what would be a tragedy? I just don't know what I would do when I went through it and who would I turn to in that moment. At the same time you're asking that question, you might can ask, what questions would I have and do I have any of those answers now? I've ever thought about Mm. that. In other words, start, you know, use some time and start trying to think about, well, not think about, start trying to find answers that you think you might be needing when you don't have all the pain baggage going with you Mm. or the pressure of I've got to fix this now because I'm hurting. Yeah. Right. It'd be much better to start now, like, you know, spend three years trying to find the answer to something. If it can be found, then you hit a crisis and now you feel like you have three days to figure it out. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Surrounding yourself with resources and people, um, that can be beneficial in those moments is huge. So, hey, we uh, we hope that this episode was helpful to you. If you're in the middle of a setback right now, um, if you um, are trying to process um, something that happened to you in the past, whatever it is, we do hope that this was beneficial to you. Um, and I hope that, you know, you were able to glean something from what we've shared here. Um, thank you guys so much for, for, um, for listening and for being a part of this. Um, this is always fun for us. 
So um, you can contact us, both of our, uh, you know, our, our social media and, you know, our email is in the, is in the show notes. So you can contact us if you have any feedback, questions, um, suggestions for the future. Um, or if we got something terribly wrong and you want to uh, issue a correction, that was also helpful. Um, but hey, we just want to thank you for your time um, and um, thank you for being who you are. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.